I think oftentimes when you see a disruptor like an Uber, for example, there's a clear loser. Like, oh, taxi drivers, goodbye, <laughs> right? So obviously they fight back. But in this case, it was kind of just you have these two people, basically a buyer and a seller of something, and they're like 100 feet apart when they need to be like 10 feet apart. So we were like, this really, really, truly actually helps all of you. Greetings, innovators, and welcome to Back of the Napkin, where we explore big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. This is where small business leaders can hear about unique ideas that have launched successful enterprises across America and meet entrepreneurs who aren't afraid to think differently. And it's brought to you by Sure Payroll, where small business is their business. I'm Stephanie Davis from the Sure Payroll team. And I'm Dusty Weiss, a small business owner from the Midwest. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking to Manali Shah and Raj Kamaria, owners of PRE Weddings in Chicago, Illinois. Weddings happen all the time, but I feel like this year, weddings have been a super hot topic. Plus, with this business, all I can think about at first is the hit Jennifer Lopez classic, The Wedding Planner. <laughs> the Wedding Planner. You sure you were into it for Jennifer Lopez and not for young studly Matthew McConaughey? I mean, dream combo, dream story, just an iconic classic early 2000s rom-com. If I'm being honest, I am much more into The Wedding Crashers than I was into The Wedding Planner. That was a little bit more of my style. That's fair. I respect it. Before we dig in, we'd love it if you took a moment and subscribed to Back of the Napkin in your favorite podcast app. We'll be releasing our season one episodes over the next few weeks, and we don't want you to miss any of them. So take a moment to hit that subscribe button. And if you enjoyed the show, how about a five-star rating? Or even leave us a review to tell us what you like, and you might just be helping another entrepreneur like you find the bolt of inspiration that they needed. I know it seems like we're just fishing for compliments here, but your rating or review actually helps this podcast reach more small business owners like you. So please go ahead and leave us some good stuff. And if you can't get enough of small business content, including payroll tips and tricks, be sure to check out the Sure Payroll blog or get updates on Sure Payroll's channels. So Dusty, while I've been in a few weddings, I haven't had the experience of planning, which I'm not mad about. Were you super involved in your wedding planning? Steph, I am fortunate enough to have met a wonderful, smart, talented woman who is patient enough to be married to a guy like me, but I'm also lucky that she is an organized planner while I am a disorganized doer. And so she handled most of the planning and I mostly got to come along for the ride. However, through that experience and having served as a best man in four weddings to date, I have had a lot of exposure to what I like to call the wedding industrial complex. And I've got to say, it is incredibly frustrating to try to shop for services in this space. Sometimes it feels like this entire complex is just built up to make this process as confusing and time-consuming and expensive as humanly possible. I love weddings. I hate the process of planning them. Well, it's just those sorts of headaches that this week's guests set out to solve when they launched their business. Piari Weddings is a brand new journey for owners Manali and Raj. The couple got engaged in February 2020 and quickly realized how time-consuming the wedding planning process can be. Inspired by their own experience, they wanted to create a tool that made wedding planning easier for couples all over the country. Manali and Raj, first and foremost, congratulations on your engagement. That's super exciting. And thank you for joining us today. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to be here. Mm -hmm. So you were both inspired to start your business because of your own struggles through the wedding planning process, which again, my heart goes out to you. (laughs) What were some of the issues that you ran into that helped you launch Piari? So we had quite a few issues that helped us launch Piari Weddings. We were just so frustrated by our own wedding planning. 
So I was working a full-time job and Raj was trying to get into school. And then we had to call multiple vendors every day, have like 30 to an hour minute conversations with them. So it was quite frustrating. And, you know, there was just so much information and we wanted to get all this information in a quick manner. But we found that there was no option available that had that. So that kind of inspired us to launch PRE Weddings to have all the information in one place that can not only help us, but other couples as well. You know, starting off in the wedding planning process, both me and Manali were pretty new to it. So we weren't sure what to expect. I mean, given that it's such a big industry, we thought it may be somewhat organized, but we quickly found out that that's not the case at all. As you kind of mentioned before, like the final production is pretty cool. You usually get a pretty awesome wedding, but the steps up to that are like infinite. There's like a hundred different steps. And it's not just one category of vendors. It's hotels, banquets, food caterers, DJs, lighting, decor. And then within each of those categories, you probably call like 15 or 20 vendors for each. And then you have to like actually connect with them, call them, take voicemails, write everything down, get their prices. A lot of the time, the prices are not apples to apples. So it'll be like $100 an hour. And you're like, okay, what does that mean? And someone will just charge you per event. Honestly, it was just a giant collection of data that had like no meaning to us. And we were like, wow, this is going to be ridiculously hard. Your point about the price comparison not being apples to apples, I think, was one of the biggest pain points that I remember from planning a wedding four years ago. Because in my heart, I'm a cheapskate. I don't like to spend money if I don't have to. And it seems like every single vendor we talked to, they don't put their prices on their website. Mm -hmm. They say, come on in, do a tasting, and then we'll slide you a little slip of paper. And that's going to tell you what the price is. And if you want to try more than two or three vendors, you don't have time to do that. Yeah. I mean, for us personally, it almost felt like that was perhaps the point of the industry is just to exhaust you. So that one day you're like, all right, forget it. I'm just going to sign up for X, Y, and Z. But no, we definitely felt the same thing. I mean, we tried just laying out very clearly like, hey, next Labor Day, we need 7 to 12 p.m., this many people, this many chairs. What's the cost? And almost always it's like, oh, it depends. Come in and we can discuss over the next like three months. (laughs) You guys did so much research, both for yourselves, but then to launch Piari. So how did you pull it off? What did you even know what to look for? Raj, you were just rattling off a ton of different things. And I'm like, whoa, I had no idea you had to consider all of that. Yeah, absolutely. So initially we didn't know much. So we just started Googling, oh, wedding planning, found random blogs. And they're like, oh yeah, here's these 10 different categories of vendors you have to call. So we're like, okay, cool, simple enough. But then once you get into that, obviously there's different tiers. There's the people who are more affordable, the middle tier, the higher tier, and you have no idea who's who also. So you get all these different prices and services. And then on top of that as well, once you get the information, you also have to figure out what their calendars are because nobody (laughs) puts the availability in the website and nobody communicates that clearly either. So maybe you find someone you really like and you're like, oh man, this is the decor company we want. And then you call them and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're not available. And it's like, well, why didn't you tell me that in the beginning? (laughs) So basically you just do the rounds. It was not fun to put it lightly. A little bit later, I want to ask you about the data collection that goes into this and how do you automate that and just how do you consolidate and analyze all of that and digest it and make it presentable. But first, I have to ask the name Piari Weddings. Where does that come from? So we were just sitting one day. um, We weren't really sure what to call this. We had a few ideas. Sadly, they were all taken. And then we randomly just came up with Piari and we're like, okay, this could work. Piari means love in Hindi. So it's kind of like love weddings. 
cute. Very cool. That's neat. Yeah, we wanted something nice and kind of easy and soft. <laughs> and of course, this ties to both of your cultural heritage as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Just like many other cultures in the Indian culture, weddings are a huge part of basically your life. It's kind of like a seminal moment, almost like a grown-ups, like Sweet 16 type of thing. Like, oh, here's my child released into the world with their newly found spouse or significant other. So it's not really just for me and Manali, for example, or for the bride and groom more generally. It's really for the families and like the family friends and your friends. And so an Indian wedding can, I think on average, get to about 400 people, which is kind of absurd because how do you even find a place to keep that many people? So I would say the cultural infusion of it only made it more complex because everything's just bigger and more and more expensive. (laughs) So it basically just added another layer of complexity. No, that's incredible. So you're both working full time, juggling MBA programs, which is all awesome. And then on top of it, you're now managing your new business. Did either of you know before doing this that you ever wanted to start a small business someday? So for me, I definitely wanted to do something entrepreneurial. I just didn't know what it was. I'm always jealous by people who just come up with these one-off ideas and they're like such a huge hit. So I was just waiting for that idea. And I think it was just our personal experience that really helped shape Piari Wedding. So once this clicked, I was like, okay, yes, I, I want to move forward with this. And I would say um, for me personally, I've always been kind of the same way. Like I majored in business and undergrad and I eventually got a job in consulting and whatnot, but I never really envisioned myself or wanted to be kind of a lifer in the corporate world, so to speak. I always wanted to do my own thing. I was always very creative and entrepreneurial. So like in college, me and my friends started like a shirt business, like, oh, Illinois, like shirts or whatever. We went to the University of Illinois. So stuff like that. I got into like real estate investing. I got into stock market investing. I was always looking for ways to like have side hustles and make extra money. And I always remember in the back of my mind when I took an entrepreneurship class, I think it was when I was like a junior in college or something. They always said that the best ideas come from when you encounter a problem in your real life. So I always had them in the back of my head and I was always like, wow, when is a problem going to pop up where I can turn it into an idea? And lo and behold, a pretty big one popped up with our wedding. So, yeah. It's really funny to me to hear you say that because I'm an entrepreneur myself and my approach to entrepreneurialism was the exact opposite (laughs) where I never had any interest in running a business. I had a set of things that I knew how to do and I liked to do. And then one day I looked at everything on the table in front of me and said, if I put all of this together, it would really serve a niche that's going unserved. Mm. I can't believe nobody has done this yet. I guess I better do it. Mm -hmm. But I look at the niche that you guys serve with PRE weddings, and I can't believe that nobody has done that yet. (laughs) Why do you think that is? I feel like it's just like a marketing tactic for vendors just to entice people to come visit them, as you said earlier. We looked everywhere just to get one place where we can see prices for different vendors, and it's just not out there. And it kind of makes sense. Like you want people to come to your restaurant, try your food and then give the price after that. So we thought of it just like the marketing tactic. But we just wanted to cut that whole middle experience out. I mean, yes, you should go ahead and try the caterers that you want to pick. But try it after you know that they're in your budget. Don't just waste your time going to a restaurant, trying food that's too expensive for you at your wedding. So I think that differentiator was something that was missing. And we helped create that in a way. So what's the secret sauce then? How is it that you have been able to do what nobody else has been able to do to date? I would say, honestly, it's just a lot of legwork to get this sort of product or service up and running. 
initially we were like, wow, I can't believe no one's done this. And then once we started actually getting into it, we we're like, okay, what are the steps to make this happen? And the first big step was like, call everyone in the entire country and get their prices. <laughs> so we were like, holy cow, no wonder nobody has ever done this before. And so lo and behold, we, I mean, we're still doing it, but we probably spent a good six months, probably 50% of our time dedicated to this, working nights and weekends, literally just like hounding down hotels, banquets, food people, DJs, core companies, getting all their information, their prices, their services, and then getting all these basically data points. And then, as you said, Dusty, trying to make it apples to apples. So like, oh, okay, the silver bar package in the Marriott in San Francisco is not the same as the silver bar package in the Orlando Marriott. They're actually completely different. So basically like tearing it all down, rebuilding it, making our own pricing tiers, just making it like how a normal person would actually want to read it and understand it. So the biggest piece, biggest hurdle, 90% of it by far is just the data collection. It's a big process. So you guys have spent all this time researching. You have data from vendors and restaurants and everybody all over the country. What does that look like? How are you organizing it for yourselves? And then how does it get pushed out onto the website and make it accessible for users? So it's a pretty big spreadsheet. We're talking more than 800 columns. Um, so we basically reached out to so many people from different states just to like get all this information. And each vendor category is different too. So what you might look for in a henna artist is not going to be the same as what you would look for in a caterer. So we have the basic contact information for these vendors. And then we'll list out individual price points that will apply to that specific vendor. But then after that, once we have all that data collection, our spreadsheet is basically just like separated into different states, which makes it a little easier if we have more people to add. But then we just give it to our website developer and he pushes it in through the back end. And then all that information is available at Prairie Weddings. That's insane. And yeah. how many vendors have you contacted and listed in this? So, so far it's about a thousand vendors and we're planning another 600. We've done all the I guess you can call it like the eight major metro areas in the U.S. So like Dallas, Houston, L.A., Chicago, New York, Atlanta, D.C., and like San Francisco. But now our next step is like, let's go after like the Minneapolis and Milwaukee's and the Indianapolis's and all that. So that's basically another five to six hundred we have to add. But yeah, I mean, as Manali was mentioning, each vendor category has its own. We didn't even know really what data to collect initially. We we're like, okay, maybe there's just one price. <laughs> we can just write it down. <laughs> and then we get into the hotel category and they send us like a 20 page PDF and we're like, holy cow, we need to find a way to standardize this. So eventually after looking at so many different information requests, we figured out what the categories were. Like for a DJ, here's the six things that we need to get the price on. And then for a hotel, it's like, oh, don't forget about the 34% service charge that nobody talks about because that's a huge amount. Basically just... Finding all the different categories, getting the information, throwing it in a spreadsheet. And then eventually we kind of had to like conceptualize it without seeing it. So we're like, okay, if I wanted to see this information, how would it probably look? And so going through like a hundred iterations of if I theoretically had a website, I'd first want to look at it by city, maybe guest count, and then I can look at venues. And then within venues, I probably have like 10 different options, which I need to select reception, alcohol, hours, et cetera. And then based on all these inputs, some price or information gets spit out that you can kind of add to your cart, so to speak. And then eventually, after adding each category, you basically get your wedding budget, your wedding plan. 
Incredible. It's cool to me because what you're doing is disrupting an industry that has gone undisrupted for a very long time. I use the term wedding industrial complex and I don't use that lightly. So the hotels and caterers and decorators whom you include in your database, how do they feel about the way that you're redefining their business model? Initially, when we first launched, we sent basically like a welcome email, like, hey, remember we got your data? This is what it is now. Here's a website. And like, this will help you for X, Y, and Z reasons. But I think because this sort of thing has never been done before, they're all kind of just like, what? What do you mean someone can easily get all the prices and information and reviews and blah, blah, blah? And we were like, yeah, like we literally just collected all the data and you can basically shop like you're going on Amazon and select based on reviews and prices and add to your cart. And instead of wasting two to three months, if you're a vendor talking to someone when they're probably not going to hire you, we have the information to basically make a yes or no right away. So if you're a couple and you're like, okay, the super expensive restaurant is not my budget off the list. Don't waste time. So honestly, in the end, it's ideally better for everyone. It's more efficient. And that's basically the biggest problem is the wedding planning process here is extremely inefficient. <laughs> but disruptors are not always popular with the industries that they're disrupting. Ultimately, it was the way that it was because it benefited the industry. Has there been any pushback? I think oftentimes when you see a disruptor like an Uber, for example, there's a clear loser like, oh, taxi drivers, goodbye. <laughs> right. So obviously they fight back. But in this case, it was kind of just you have these two people, basically a buyer and a seller of something. And they're like 100 feet apart when they need to be like 10 feet apart. So we were like, this really, really, truly actually helps all of you. And then we just make some ad money off it. And as it says on our website, then we all drink. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to continue our conversation with Manali and Raj in just a moment. But first, the latest mission critical tips and calendar dates in the Sure Payroll Bulletin, where we cover the news, events, and other important information that small business owners ought to know about. This is Sure Payroll's Back of the Napkin podcast, where entrepreneurs share stories of their big journeys in small business. I'm Stephanie Davis. And I'm Dusty Weiss, and we are talking to Manali and Raj from Piari Weddings. And guys, it's time for a fast five. Five quick questions to get to know you a little bit better. What is your favorite pizza spot in Chicago? Illuminati's, hands down. Yes! <laughs> mm, I'll go with Pequod's. Yes, thank oh, you, Oh, wow, Raj. house I divided. Agree. House divided, <laughs> <Okay>. yep. <laughs> <laughs> what about television? We're all quarantining right now. What's your current TV show binge? I would say for me, so I just finished catching up on like four seasons of Money Heist. I heard a lot about it, but never got time. And then watched it and I was like, holy crap, like I need the next season now. <laughs> that's one of those that's in Spanish. My wife and I mm -hmm. actually watched a few seasons of that incredible stuff. Very good. Yeah. Manali, how about you? So I'm a little late to this TV show, but I just started Narcos. So I've been binge watching that. We do a lot of online ordering these days. So... Would you rather give up product delivery like Amazon or food delivery like DoorDash? I would probably give up DoorDash. I don't use it as much. Yeah, I would probably say DoorDash too. So you guys are Chicago landers at this moment. We're heading into the long, dark, windy winter. What book are you going to curl up with this winter? So I think I am going to reread the last lecture. I'm familiar with it. What's it about? Okay, so there's this professor... Randy, I'm mispronouncing his last name, it's like Randy Pausch, but basically he had cancer and he wrote this book about what he wants to share with his children. So it's all his life lessons. 
And it's not just for his kids too. It's kind of like for everybody to chase their dreams and like go after what they want. So it's a very inspiring book. So I think I might reread that. Raj, how about you? Yeah, I've had this book on the shelf for a long time, but this book called If God Was a Banker, supposed to be like an interesting take on economics, markets, et cetera, and be somewhat satirical. So we'll see. But what is the one song you can't stop playing right now? Ooh, um, Dance Monkey. It's by Tone Sinai. Yes, a great song. <laughs> Mine is very, very mainstream. It is Watermelon Sugar High. It's always in my head because it's always in the radio. Yes, oh, constantly. Yeah. Yeah, that mm-hmm. one's getting some spins. Yep. Well, this has been a helpful session. Certainly, I feel like we've gotten to know a little bit more about you. But now let's get to know a little bit more about Piari Weddings as well. This is the first business venture for either of you. So how has the process of entrepreneurialism been? I would say every day is a new learning experience. It's different for me just because this is my first time, you know, running a business. So I feel like we have challenges every day, but it's just we work hard to get through them. But I don't know, for me, at least, there's just like new things I'm learning, like social media wise, like, okay, do this. That's the right strategy or do something else like that. So it's constantly like evolving as you learn all these new tips and tricks. Just in that sense, I think it's been a great experience for me so far. I would say for me, it just feels different is kind of an interesting way to put it. So like when you're working for somebody, it feels like a job. But when you're kind of working for yourself, even if we're not super profitable or or what have you right now, it almost just feels like a hobby. So when we do all these new things and learn all these new things like, oh, how do we do SEO marketing or what does it mean to develop a website in PHP? it, It feels like pretty exciting, actually. So it's kind of nice. It's like a different perspective on taking in new challenges, more of a, I guess, a positive spin on it. So you're both juggling MBAs right now, and classes can teach you so much about running a small business. Is there anything that you haven't learned in those classes that has surprised you about being a business owner? I would say for me personally, it's that in all these classes, an MBA, and then even back in undergrad, you learn like very specific parts of a business. Like if you had a business, this is how you would record your money via accounting. Or if you had a business, this is how you'd market it. But I feel like the core thing of actually having a business is never really addressed because that's the hardest to replicate. There's no way for them to be like, here's the business, do it. So putting all the different pieces together and being in the middle of it is probably the hardest part. So like the synthesis of all of it, in my opinion. That makes sense. What about you, Manali? I definitely echo that. With my MBA program, I think it was exciting to learn a lot about the different aspects of owning a business. But yeah, I mean, as Raj said, just when you're in it, it's a totally unique, different area. And you just got to like do it day by day. I first heard about Piari Weddings mentioned on The Every Girl, which is a media group located in Chicago that has all kinds of content and articles really directed at female millennials. So it covers everything from running a business to lifestyle to Trader Joe's shopping tips, which everybody always needs those. It just covers all of the things. The article that Piari was mentioned in is that you guys won a small business grant. So first of all, congratulations on that. That's super exciting. I know they had a lot of people to choose from. People got to vote. So the fact that you won is awesome. Has that helped business at all? And what, if any, plans do you have to do with the funding? Yeah, thank you so much. I too love the Every Girl blog. It's really helpful with like these unique tips. But yeah, the funding definitely helped us a lot with some of our expenses, such as like the marketing and SEO expenses. So it helped us there. 
And it also helped us bring a lot of traction too. So we had some followers from the Everyday also follow us on our channel, which really helped us to expand ourselves and get the word out. So that was great. In terms of our future plans, so we also would like to use the funding for some of these new ideas that we have in the future, such as expanding to have a marketplace on our site. So that's still in the works right now, but I think we would use some of the funding for that, and then whatever other expense comes down the line. Winning the Evergold competition just added legitimacy to us. We had started literally just like a month before, and so we were kind of like, yeah, whatever, throw a hat in the ring, see what happens. And then somehow made the top 10 list and somehow won it. And we're like, wow, maybe we do have a good idea. (laughs) That's awesome. Getting that kind of kudos, that sort of confirmation that you're on to something. It makes a big difference, particularly when you're just starting out as a business owner. I know that there were days early on in my entrepreneurial journey where I'm sitting in my office by myself and thinking, what the heck am I doing? There's no reaction. I'm just yelling into a vacuum. Mm -hmm. And then to start to get that feedback, to be recognized like that, it had to feel really good. No, I agree. It felt great. I was telling Raj that before we applied, I I didn't even think that we would win this. I didn't think we were there yet. But then after we got selected as a finalist, I was like, I called him at like 9 a.m. And I'm like, oh, my God, we actually made it in the top 10. We actually are legitimate. We can do this. And then luckily, everything else was good and we became a winner. You guys mentioned that right now, most of your profits are driven by ads, but you also have plans to expand the business. Can you explain a little bit more about what those expansion plans look like and what you're hoping to achieve? Yeah, absolutely. So the first leg of our business is that we basically are an intermediary between these vendors and then people who are planning to get married or planning their wedding. The second piece of it, as we thought about it, was, well, after you plan a wedding, you also have to buy a bunch of stuff. You have to buy like tuxedos, dresses, there's like religious items, gifts, favors, etc., And so we thought about that, too, and we're like, well, I wonder if there's like a centralized marketplace to buy all that stuff, too, like an eBay or a micro eBay or micro Amazon where you can just buy wedding stuff. And there's like Etsy and there's a bunch of like random different places you can go. But once again, nothing really completely organized where it's like, if you have a wedding, here you go. This is where you look. So then we thought about it and we we're like, well, there's probably like four or five different categories of things you have to buy for your wedding. And there's all these little small businesses that we found all over the place that make gifts or give you lighting or what have you. So we were like, well, since we already have the basic infrastructure, why don't we just basically take the same business model? And instead of being an intermediary between a service provider, we can be an intermediary between someone who makes or sells an actual thing to a couple or to someone who's getting married. It's a solid idea. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of room for expansion there. Mm -hmm. That much said, looking back at almost your first year in business, you guys launched this in February of 2020. 2020, of course, got weird after February and the pandemic set in and a lot of people's wedding plans got disrupted by that. Has the pandemic affected your business model and your approach to this venture at all? I don't think it has for us just because we have a unique feature on our set as well that tracks your guest count. So if you are having like a micro wedding, you know, 50 person or less, you can actually go on our site, put in your actual guest count of like 40 people or whatever it is, and then you'll still get that detailed estimate of what your wedding would cost. So I think that piece is still there. So, so far that's been working for us. Well, that's a relief at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would think too that if people 
if they're not necessarily canceling, but just postponing until next year, people like you guys have still gotten engaged this year. So I think that it definitely has the potential to keep going, which is great. Speaking of which, how have your own wedding plans been impacted? And is there a date? We didn't ask. When's the big day? So our wedding planning is still going on. We are moving forward. We're looking at September 5th, 2021 of next year. So yeah. Do you feel like you've spent more time planning other people's weddings than your own at this point? Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Our wedding feels like a piece of cake. It's like, oh, just take this thing out of the spreadsheet. This is what we're going to do. All right. (laughs) And following in suit of just all of the pandemic things. So here you guys are engaged, living together, running the business together, working together, doing all of the things. How have you enjoyed working with each other? It's definitely been different. And I actually feel like planning our own wedding is where this started. So I thought, and I think Manali also thought, I would be super hands-off. I was like, oh, whatever, wedding, she'll take care of it. But then I somehow morphed into a groomzilla. And I was like, I want these three things, no matter what. And she was like, who the hell are you? (laughs) So I think starting then, we kind of realized, or I kind of maybe self-realized, that I like to be involved in some of the aspects of planning this. And so that kind of carried over into our business as well, where it's like, okay, we both have our strong points. You know, Manali in particular is really good at like content creation and marketing. I'm more from like a financy background, so I'm more in the back end doing like the numbers and stuff. And we kind of just have to find that balance. But there's definitely like areas where it's not like, oh, we're all lovey-dovey. It's like, oh, we're business partners. <laughs> Being business partners, does that strengthen the love and bonds of romantic partnership, would you say? No, not at all. I feel, <laughs> I feel like at this point. Wish we point, could say yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're just like, so Purity Wedding is like our baby. We're just so like heavily involved in this that sometimes we forget to take time off for ourselves. So like occasionally I'll just talk to Rajan and be like, okay, no work stuff, no Purity Wedding stuff. Let's just have me and you watch a movie or something like that. But even then, something Purity Weddings related will come up in our conversation. So at this point, we're just going to accept it. But no, we really try to value any time that we have together, you know, before we actually do get married. So we're trying. I think because both of us are working as well. So we have like finite time, right? So when we see each other, you know, we're going out for like, quote unquote, like a date night on a Saturday or something. It's like, okay, oh, by the way, we only have like six hours. Let's do both. And so inevitably both come in the way and therefore it's not, oh, this is just us hanging out. It's like, oh, this is also work time, which isn't the best feeling. But I guess it's something you kind of have to manage as an entrepreneur, especially when your partner is also your partner in your business. Mm -hmm. Well, I've, I've said before, you really have to like a person to live with them. You really have to like a person to marry them. And you really, really have to like a person to go in together on a business venture. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you guys clearly are cut from special cloth. And it's just really exciting to see you guys succeed the way that you have. I know I sure wish that Piari Weddings was around when my wife and I were wedding planning. You could have saved me so many venting sessions. This is just one disgruntled groom's opinion, but I think that you've tapped into a real need in the marketplace, and I think that you're going to be very successful. Manali and Raj, it has been so great getting to know you and learn about your business. Thank you so much for joining us on Back to the Napkin. Yeah, thank you so much, Stephanie and Dusty. It's been a great time. Yeah, thanks for having us. (laughs) Can't wait to see what's next for you guys. It's going to be great. I really think they're onto something with their business. Here, I think that a lot goes into just being a bridesmaid. I can't even imagine how my friends juggle all of the planning. I need to share PRA weddings with them ASAP. 
And maybe I'll watch a little say yes to the dress on the side just for fun. Oh, you're going to put your feet up and uh, enjoy a little flute of champagne maybe to enhance the experience? I think I will. Maybe see if I have some cake floating around or try to enact my best bake-off skills and make my own. Oh, that sounds like a pretty good little reality TV binge right there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But... That is all that we have for this episode of Back of the Napkin, where we explore big journeys in the world of small business with the personalities who make it happen. Please make sure you're subscribed in your favorite podcast app. And if you enjoyed the show, leave us a five-star rating or even a review. We'd love to hear from you about any ideas you have for small business owners who we should be featuring on our show. Back of the Napkin is brought to you by Sure Payroll. From easy online payroll to 401k support and award-winning customer service, Sure Payroll has been serving the payroll and business needs of small businesses for more than 20 years. Learn more at surepayroll.com and get two months free as a new customer. Here on Back of the Napkin, our executive producer is my boss, Sure Payroll's Carrie Straits. Co-producers are Kevin Aubrey, Ashley Peterson, and Dave Papa. And our production partners are PodCamp Media. Where we provide branded podcast production solutions for businesses. Our editor and producer is Larry Kilgore III. So thanks for tuning in to Back of the Napkin. I'm Dusty Weiss. And I'm Stephanie Davis. 